0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the very first OS Training Podcast of 2019. In this episode, I'm talking with Josh Strabel, who is the co-founder of Pagely. Now, Josh and his team at Pagely started the managed WordPress hosting industry. And over the years, although they started the $10, $15 a month end of the market, they've moved steadily and steadily up market until they focus almost exclusively on household names that use WordPress. And perhaps as a result of dealing with those high-end customers, he's just launched a new brand called Northstack. And to be honest, before this podcast, I knew very little about it. So I was asking him questions about exactly what this new direction in hosting is. He seems to be pioneering a new industry again. It's not managed WordPress hosting. It's kind of managed Amazon hosting. Well, listen on, and I'll let Josh explain more. Hey, and welcome, Josh.
1: Hey, how you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me today.
0: So Josh, you are the co-founder of Pagely?
1: That's what they tell me.
0: And I guess we can say co-founder of Northstack as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe that's what they tell me too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're the co-founder along with your wife too?
1: Yeah, uh, Sally and I started this uh, A company about 15 years ago and we essentially called it Pagely for the last nine years.
0: Okay, you were doing something completely different beforehand or you're kind of always in the WordPress space?
1: Well, uh that's a fun story. Let me let me give you the quick origin of not just pagely but uh manage WordPress period. Two thousand three I graduated college on Friday, married my wife on Saturday, and for all intents and purposes, we started a company on Monday.
0: And, Did you tell her this in advance?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> we kinda winged it a little bit. So the first uh three or four years in Scottsdale, Arizona, we were a web design agency. Uh, you know, a small shop, four or five employees. You know, I was just kinda learning learning the business. You know, about our fourth or fifth year in business, we had some of the repeat customers coming around and they're like, Hey, you remember that website you built for me, you know, three years ago, thousand bucks or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 we remember that. Well, I, I need it again, I need another one. And the price is still the same, right? And I know that's not the price anymore. You know, now it's five grand or ten grand or whatever, whatever I was quoting them at the time. And they're like, "Oh well, I'm sorry, we we can't afford that." And so after a couple of these conversations, one day my wife Sally uh, overheard me and she said, "Hey, you you just said no to like 10, 15 grand in one day. What are you doing?" I said, "Well, you know, we can't we can't be profitable at two thousand dollar websites anymore. So we got to do something different and raise our raise our rates." And she said, well, why can't you be, you know, why isn't there a solution for that customer who, who needs quality, but, you know, maybe only has a grand or so? You know, and I think her exact words are something like, I thought you guys just push a bunch of buttons and, you know, out the other side comes a website. (laughs) And so that was a good idea. Why couldn't you do that? So in 2006, we actually built a prototype that did essentially that. You hit a website, you saw a kind of gallery view of WordPress themes, you chose your theme, you put in your credit card, and out the other side came a WordPress site with your uh, chosen theme pre-installed, a few plugins pre-installed, and some really, really basic kind of server optimization and security and such. So in 2006, that was essentially the birth or the the early concept of uh, you know kind of a managed WordPress play.
0: So... When you say you build this, you always consider yourself a coder. Were you the one who was sitting down and hacking out a, a little managed WordPress platform?
1: Well, actually, that first one, no. Joshua Icorn, who is our current CTO, he worked for me back then as well in his first go-around with us. And he actually built the first prototype in 2006. And um, so fast forward, right? We put that thing to market. We didn't really know what we were doing. And we got, you know, maybe 50 paying customers or something. And then I went on about my business and did something else. Well, 2008, 2009, if you remember, the economy had just blown up along with the housing market. And so I didn't have a agency anymore. It was just me doing solo high-end contract work, but I was kind of looking for something else to do. You know, I wanted to get out of client services. This is where my coding came into play, right?
0: I remember that time fairly well. That's why we ended up in the training market, because just about every agency that we knew blew up. Uh, yeah. And it seemed like a horrible time to be an agency worker.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't too much fun. So, you know, I was just doing one-man kind of consulting small development projects. You know, I was paying the bills and keeping the lights on, but, you know, there wasn't a lot to go around. And so I looked in my portfolio and I said, you know, what do we have here that maybe I can monetize and and turn into some sort of recurring revenue system? And it turned out that little product we had built in 2006 was still there, still making money, you know, just a couple hundred dollars a month. And so, ah, here we go. So I took that code base, refreshed it, added a bunch of features, improved it quite a bit, you know, added basic website builder-esque things like domain registration and email and things like that and built a new website, put it online, called it Pagely in September 2009. And within about four or five weeks, you know, we're making a couple grand a month now. And that was the birth of what is now a two or three billion dollar industry, which is managed WordPress hosting.
0: So you were just hacking on this in your office in Arizona. And most of the customers were, and I guess it's this question will be important for later in the conversation. Most of the customers were at the low end of the market. They were the kind of people that may be spending a thousand bucks on a website. You're offering them twenty, thirty dollars a month for a WordPress site.
1: Yeah, even less than that. It was it was fourteen dollars and ninety eight cents a month when we started. And wow. here was the reasoning: is in two thousand eight, GoDaddy and you know the other shared hosts, they were like four or five bucks a month, and that's basically what most of them cost now. So we thought. Four or five times the going rate was a premium, right? And this this shows you how naive I was at the time. So yeah, the very first managed WordPress platform was fourteen dollars and ninety eight cents a month.
0: So people may not know this, but you're maybe you are. I'm not sure if in the past you were, but you're just around the corner from GoDaddy, right?
1: Yep, yep. Funny side story: Bob Parsons, who used to be the CEO of GoDaddy back yeah. in the day. I, I was working at a co-working spot called Gangplank in Phoenix, and we antagonized GoDaddy a little bit. I sent him and his entire executive team a note challenging him to a dance-off for the rights of supremacy to the digital ecosystem within Phoenix, Arizona. And he didn't respond, but some of his team did, and we actually had a pretty fun time. That's, you know, they were hosting Dignation at the time and I think that was around the first WordCamp that GoDaddy was at, you know. So it kind of led to something interesting, but
0: You've become a real competitor to them over the years, Um, at least in the WordPress space.
1: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, okay.
0: Maybe initially, at least when you were targeting a similar price point, but I guess one of the things I've always found curious following your work is that on the one hand, you project a very laid-back attitude about things. I think if someone follows you on Twitter, for example, it's mostly jokes and trying to encourage other people not to take themselves too seriously. But at the same time, you do have really strong opinions about things, including how to position your company in terms of what the customer wants. It's an interesting dichotomy because I meet so many CEOs who are so intense. You've got that side to you, but you also present a very laid-back side at times. You seem to have very strong very strong opinions about exactly what you want Pagely to be and how you want to position yourselves.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think the difference there is that my ego isn't wrapped up into the success of the company and the team in a way that they're two separate things. Me personally, I am a goofball and a little laid back and I like to you know, make fun of myself and make fun of others in the process. The company though, that's real deal. That's 40 other people's lives at stake. That's thousands of customers, businesses at stake. So I can't mess around with that, right? You gotta be serious because I can make some half-hearted joke on Twitter and people say, aha, Josh, you're an idiot. When it comes to Pagely in that context, i got to be on point. We have to do what's right because if we don't, it's not just me that suffers, right? So yeah. that that's the difference.
0: So you've taken a very strong market stand with Pagely. Can you talk me through that? What was the process you went through to get from selling $14.99 a month websites to very strongly targeting the higher end of the WordPress market now. Yeah. How did you make that transition?
1: So half of it was survival. And I'll give you the context of that in a second. The other half of it was rage, huh. right? So the part that was survival was, you know, we launched in 2009. We're a bootstrap company. We're never going to take venture capital. So we had to kind of find our way and earn our customers as we went. And when we launched Pagely, I got hate mail from the WordPress community. They were like, what are you doing? Why the hell would you, uh, how can you charge for something that's free? You know, so maybe I didn't do a good job sharing the value or maybe they're just assholes. I don't know, but a year goes by and we slowly claw away. We're, we're starting to make some money, you know, 10, 15 grand a month or something. And we think we're on to something. Well, then our competitors start showing up. And make a long story short, they're flush with cash. They got tons of money. They can out market us. They can be at every word camp giving out t-shirts to everybody. They can play the marketing game and make friends with everybody. And so we found ourselves in a position a few years later, like, okay, the market is already becoming saturated. We can't compete with Super Bowl commercials. We can't compete with somebody who's at Every Word Camp. So where are we going to fit? And you know, so then you have to ask yourself, what are we good at? Well, we're good at giving a shit. You know, we're good at giving a fuck about our customers and wanting them to succeed, and wanting to do it on our terms. All right. So if that's what we're good at, and we can't compete with the fifty-dollar guys and the hundred-dollar guys. Well, then let's charge for what we're good at. And so in order to survive as a company, just basic survival and not get ran over, we made the decision that we had to go premium because A, that's what we're capable of, that's what we're skilled at, that's what we enjoy. And that's the only spot in the market where the customers are willing to pay enough with enough profit to keep running a company at scale without venture capital.
0: Yeah, I remember talking to a customer several years ago now and they showed me their slack channel and you had a one of your customer service reps actually log into their slack channel my memory is a little hazy about this but The support was providing 24 7 support directly inside their customer slack channel and i would never seen anything like that before it was really hands-on really white glove and that was several years ago now
1: Yeah. And so it's those little points of differentiation, right? Where, you know, for 50 bucks, there's no profit to provide good support. There's no profit to provide good infrastructure. There's no profit to just be decent, right? Because you need a million customers at 50 bucks a month to be GoDaddy. Well, I can be Pagely with, you know, 3,000 customers paying anywhere from 1,000 to 30,000 a month you know, and, and that gives us the luxury to really care and really do it right and really go above and beyond. So it was
0: a, a survival decision, essentially, to focus on the people that could pay a minimum of, say, 500 a month, people that may have brand names, household names behind them. Mm-hmm. Did you notice a change in your growth chart once you decided to make that decision? It really worked for Pagely?
1: Absolutely. Right about the time we made that full transition where we got rid of the plan and the $100 plan. And we started, you know, our low end price was $399 at the time. And we changed our position on the website from, you know, WordPress is awesome, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're the best in the business To, We help big brands scale WordPress. That's all we do. That's all we're going to talk about. If you're a big brand and you're on WordPress, this is where you need to be. And that really worked for us. And that kicked off three years where each year we were 100% year over year growth. We went from like nine employees to 40. You know, we went from a few million dollars a year to a whole lot more million dollars a year. And that little three, three and a half year run. So it was absolutely successful for us. I don't think we'd be here had we not made that pivot.
0: Are there significant challenges that come with attracting customers like that? Is it a super long sales cycle to get them on board? Are a lot of them pre-sold because of your strong positioning?
1: Yes and no. We, I think, have done a good job in the community where if the question is asked, a generic question is asked to somebody with some knowledge in the community, where do I host my WordPress site? And the follow-up question that that someone would ask is, okay, well, what kind of type of site is it? Well, it's, uh, you know, this type of site. Somebody has an answer, right? The community already knows which sites go where. Oh, your cat blog? You take that to GoDaddy. Oh, your marketing site for your product? Uh, Well, that will be fine over at Flywheel or something. Oh, your Comcast? Oh, you take that to Pagely. I mean, it's just automatic. Oh, your Univision? Oh, you're a major university? Oh, you're a major media company? You take that to Pagely. And so, yes, our lead flow is entirely inbound and most of them are very warm and already receptive to what we're having to say. That being said, if you've dealt with enterprise companies on the sales side more than once, you understand it is a long sales cycle. There's a lot of boxes to check. Sometimes legal takes longer than the sales process. You know, I'll get the yes from the marketing department within a couple of weeks. And they're like, okay, it has to go through legal before we can cut you a PO. And then I'll spend six months in legal.
0: Yeah, there's all, all sorts of weird things maybe you get the yes from them, and then they have to go back and actually issue an RFP that goes out technically to get other bidders, but they've kind of chosen you, and the whole RFP process adds another six months, and it's yeah. definitely a whole different can of worms when you're dealing with those companies.
1: Yeah, so you know, it is a very long sales cycle, but it's, so it's low volume, right? We only get 15 to 30 customers a month, so it's very low volume, but it's very high margin. Right. So on any given account, we're making our 50, 60% gross margins so that we can have enough to provide the level of service that we're known for. And if, if somebody's trying to beat us down on price, well, I'm sorry that we're not in the company for you because we just cannot exist at the capacity that we exist without charging and making the money that we do.
0: So if you don't mind me asking, what do some of these high-end customers ask for. They must be looking for more than just vanilla WordPress. Are they looking for really unique server arrangements? Are they looking for help with integrations? What kind of requests are you getting from these major brands?
1: Yeah, it's all over the gamut. There are some very large companies that are household names that do run the most vanilla of vanilla WordPress site. And it's, just, it's right down the middle, and that's what it is. And so we, we certainly excel at that. There's a lot of other customers that we have that one WordPress site might span 25 EC2 instances. They're all doing different things. There's dedicated cache nodes. There's dedicated Redis nodes. There is a specific admin node just for WP admin traffic. And then all the rest of the nodes are just serving the front end traffic. You know, there's all these interesting arrangements depending on what customers need. Some of them need huge database capacity. Some don't. And some of them, you know, and since we're entirely powered by Amazon, we have the flexibility to do anything. It's limitless at the capabilities we can bring to bear for our customers. And more recently, customers have been asking about Node and Laravel and things like that. And for, for many years, we kind of stuck to our guns. It's like, no, we're just WordPress. But the market's changing. I don't think WordPress is top dog anymore. It will continue to be a leader for a very long time. But it's getting some serious rival and challenge from kind of uh, more modern stacks, that being Node, Laravel. There's customers out there that have a lot of more dynamic type requests. They want more flexibility. They want to run WordPress, but then right next to it, they want to run a Node app or a Laravel app or something. And so Pagely is now offering the capability on kind of an off-menu item that we have built arrangements for some of our customers like that. You know, they might use the Laravel side for a digital asset management platform, but then the presentation layer is still WordPress. So there's a lot of flexibility that we can bring to bear now.
0: Yeah, you seem to be traveling in a similar direction to other companies we work with in slightly different industries. Uh, Acquia is one that springs to mind. They're doing an awful lot of headless work. I think I saw the other day, in fact, that Some of their team are working on making Drupal itself completely headless with a a JavaScript front-end. And particularly at the level of customer you're working at with a lot of developers on staff, it's not quite that something is taking over from WordPress, but perhaps the industry is becoming more splintered.
1: Yeah, I think they're looking at ways to leverage the power and the ecosystem of WordPress but ditch kind of the kludgy front-end environment. So people are getting really creative on how they're building their front-ends, but the data store mechanism and, and the ecosystem around the plugin capabilities and such of WordPress, it's going to keep it relevant for a very long time. But I do believe it's starting to fill a the heat.
0: And there's still a pleasant admin interface that people may have been accustomed to for years and years maybe they wouldn't be able to recreate themselves. They can get the developers to build a nice front end, but maybe those developers would not be so good at recreating suddenly a nice interface and suddenly a uh, plug-in ecosystem the size of WordPress's.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, what we hear a lot is our buyer is typically their marketing department because marketing knows WordPress. Everybody's been using WordPress for years. So when they're organizational task is we need to launch three new micro sites for XYZ initiatives. And so marketing says, okay, we're we're gonna go to an outside vendor and somebody who does WordPress. So that's typically our buyer. But then like just like legal, a lot of the times it has to be vetted by IT. And internal IT at a lot of companies is like, oh no, nobody's getting near WordPress if I if I can help it. And what actually happens though is it will initially say no you're not getting wordpress marketing and marketing says wait 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 no we found this excellent third-party vendor over here that has a great info security policy and and has gdpr compliance and they're based on amazon and it says okay fine let me talk to <laughs> and then we go we go back and forth with it and it says okay I, i'm signing off on this because a you guys look like you got your stuff together and b I don't have to touch it.
0: <laughs> so the marketing people are happy. The IT people are happy. The IT doesn't have to build its own Twitter integration to keep the marketing people happy. Yeah. So is this kind of thinking what led you to start NorthStack, a separate company or branch of Pagely? Can you tell us what NorthStack is?
1: So, yeah. NorthStack is our answer to a problem I see in the marketplace and a problem we experience at Pagely. Forgive me that I'm I'm going to communicate this a little bit through the lens of our company, and so it may not sound quite right. But at Pagely, we do have a problem with some of our high-end customers where they love our service, they love what we bring to bear, they love our capabilities. But there comes a time where it is very expensive to scale with us from a hardware perspective because the way we've priced Pagely is we have built in margin into everything. So if you want more processing power, you're also going to be paying Pagely more profit, not just processing power. So we were looking for a way on how to decouple the infrastructure side from the service side, rather than kind of wrap it all into just one big price so that customers can come to us and grow with us more more economically, right? Because I love it if a customer is paying me 10 grand on this side and then 10 grand a month on the infrastructure side. And as they need more compute power, that 10 becomes 11 and then back down to 10 and then 9 and then up to 12. So let that be variable while we still maintain our service positioning and uh, profit margins on the other side. That's a lot more palatable to some of our customers. So the need then is how do you deliver? a premium stack, a premium system, a managed solution for application hosting and decouple the support from the infrastructure costs. Because there's a lot of users out there that say, hey, I know how to do some of this myself. I don't want to pay your support premium. I just want to use your amazing technology. That's where Nordstack fits in. We took the 10 years of everything we've learned about managing WordPress at scale you know, the 10 billion requests that we handle a month at Pagely. We've learned a lot of things on how to scale stacks for serving web applications. So we've put that all into NorthStack. and then we've taken it a step forward and built it on a serverless model and we've built it on a metered only pay for what you use model. And then next to that, there's support and service offerings. And you can have one or the other or both. And so we think that's a good solution to kind of address this need where I just want to get a site out and if it's successful, I'll need help with it. Or if it's successful, I want it to scale. Or if it's only successful busy one or two days a week, I only want to have to pay for those other two days and not pay a high price for the rest of the month. And if I do have a support question, Wow, Pages there, and we know Pages' reputation, so I'll get that when I need it. But for the meantime, just let me throw a bunch of ideas at the wall and see what happens. And it's also a great solution for development and staging environments. Because, you know, you may have some on-prem or data center housed applications that you can't touch, right? That's production. You don't mess with it but we need a, a viable, secure stack that we can do some development, some staging, and some iteration and stuff on. So we're actually working on ways to get Northstack, the command line interface, to deploy back into your on-prem environment and things like that.
0: So I guess one of the reasons I was keen to have you on the podcast was that I hadn't quite fully grasped exactly what Stack is. and It's such a new and interesting concept that um, I'm keen to understand it better. Is it fair to say that To some extent, you're moving from selling your WordPress expertise and software and platform to selling a AWS expertise and platform. The the key part of NorthStack is all your experience with AWS, all the software you've written to tie the different pieces together.
1: You're you're absolutely correct because any hacker, developer, development team, worth their salt with a little bit of time, and spin up a DigitalOcean instance or an Amazon instance and provision an app you know, inside of a Docker container. And whatever that app is is whatever they want it to be. But then they'll also have to bring a web server, they'll have to bring a database back in, they'll have to bring some cache layers and some security layers, and they'll have to build the stack out. And yes, they can do that, right? But what if we could shortcut it for them? What if we could say, no, put your GitHub address for your app here, type this command, hit go, we deployed the entire stack for you. It's all in the cloud, ready to go at Amazon. Now you just worry about your application. And we'll even build your application during the deployment process for you. You know, Run your grunt or your webpack or whatever you need to do. And then uh, do some health checks before we switch to DNS to push it live. So it's really a workflow deployment tool in some respects because you have to have these dozen or so things in a web stack. And we've taken all that and put it all together for you. We've written all the glue. We've written the logging. We've written the security firewalls. We've done all these things. So you can just focus on the application.
0: Okay, so if you get basic managed hosting, that's probably the equivalent to DigitalOcean, whereas NorthStack is, in a similar relation to DigitalOcean as page is to basic managed hosting, NorthStack is AWS plus an enormous amount of secret sauce on top. Plus support as
1: well. Pretty much, yeah. You're gonna trade off a little bit of flexibility, obviously, there's a few things that we're not gonna let you do, but it gets you so much further down the line to your production environment, to your launched site. And while we have cut our teeth in WordPress for the last 10 years, what's exciting about Nordstack is that we're able to now not only do uh, WordPress, but Laravel, and what we're really excited about is Node. And static sites. So Node is really interesting and is probably gonna take over the world. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> so we're focusing some attention there considerably. Because, you know, a great Node app still needs good caching, it still needs security, it still needs at times a database backend. And so, you know, we're trying to help people get a little further down the way with that.
0: So we talked quite a lot in the podcast about positioning and exactly how, how much of Pagely's success is driven by really strong positioning. What would you say if I asked you who Northstack was targeted at? Are you going after agencies? Are you going after the, exactly the same customers as Pagerly that may just need more flexibility? Who's the target audience for Northstack?
1: You know, that's actually a hard question for me to answer. And I wish I knew. I wish I knew. But it's so new, I don't know. <laughs> well, if that makes sense, but my hunch—I guess Pedro, it took you
0: several years to figure out, right? Uh...
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. My hunch will be that the way it's priced, the way it works for the first year or so, Nordstack will be kind of that in the toolbox of the skilled, premium kind of level developer. So that's kind of who we're wanting to talk to at first not necessarily the WordPress theme guy, because it may actually be a little too complex for the WordPress theme guy, but the capable software developer who's deploying applications, that's who we're gonna be talking to for the first year. And we're gonna say, we can get you from A to Z a lot faster if you use Nordstack and you still have a great outcome. So it's it's a workflow tool, it's it's in their toolbox, it's a way to save time and, and improve efficiencies. Now, we hope though that it does evolve into a bit more of a user-friendly universal kind of deployment workflow to where it's opened up to a lot more people, more of the beginner types, but then also teams and, and agencies and things like that. Because I'd love it to be ubiquitous. You know how like inside of work, there's certain applications that are ubiquitous. Like everybody has Slack, right? You just put it in Slack or you put it in Gmail or what have you. I want it to be a point where, because it, it supports Nordstack, will support more than just WordPress. Whenever somebody's having a design meeting, okay, what kind of site we're we going to build? We're going to build a Node site. Where we're we going to put it? Oh, you put that in Nordstack. Oh, we're going to build a Laravel site. Do we have to put that on DigitalOcean? Nope, nope. You just put it on Nordstack. And that's what we kind of hope to get to.
0: Ah, so a much, a much broader audience perhaps than the one you have for pages at the moment.
1: Absolutely, we. <laughs> we're doing exactly 180 degrees different than what we did with Pagely. Pagely is very tightly controlled, very low volume, very high margin, very high touch. Nordstack is going to be high volume, low touch, but very capable and, and powerful on the infrastructure side, but not really the human side. If we do our job right, people will never need support because it's a platform that is documented well and it just works. And it scales up and it scales down and there's no human interaction needed. And that's what we're hoping to get to.
0: So can I uh, close with a a business process question for you? So you've got this company, Pagely, humming along really well, uh, highly successful. You decide to spin off NorthStack. How did you go about it? Did you spin off four or five developers and sit them in a room for a year? Have you slowly iterated and done a soft launch while developers are digging into Pagely stuff as well? How did you actually go about developing this whole new product?
1: Well, it started with a why. You know, why, why would we do this? And, and it came from a question we asked our leadership, where does Pagely need to be in three to five years? Based on what we know of WordPress, based on what we know of the market, what should we be doing now so that we are properly positioned in three to five years to continue to be successful? And it started from kind of the infrastructure side. You know, we should really look at serverless. We should really look at containerization. We should really look at getting away from pure WordPress because there's a a broader market out there. So these are all the questions we were asking and became our why. You know for us to be successful in three to five years this is the picture that we need to paint and part of that was you know the serverless stack and the billing model and things like that and we felt that pagely itself could benefit from these things all right so if this is the direction we're going to go and these are the things we want to build and it's going to be beneficial wait a minute don't mess up the cash cow you can't go into the infrastructure stack of a multi-million dollar company willy-nilly and just start playing with things and trying to get creative. So, the idea was, hey, let's create a sub-brand, NorthStack, let's dedicate a team to it, let's move it kind of over here, we'll soft launch it, and this will give us the freedom to break things, to experiment, to fail, and then try again without messing up the core business. And so that's how we got there. So at the end of the day, there's a very good possibility that all the stuff we learned with Northstack, which will make Northstack successful, hopefully, you'll see wrapped into Pagely proper within two to three years.
0: Oh, so a lot of the elements at the moment that drive Northstack drive Pagely's core software offering as well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of shared components. But think of Northstack as R&D for Pagely proper in one capacity, right? All the new cutting-edge stuff we're doing and learning with Nordstack will eventually find its way back into Pagely. But we can't do that as Pagely, right? Because Pagely needs to be stable. Pagely needs to be 100% secure, 100% uptime. We can't be doing fancy goofiness deploying Docker instances on a weekend when there's tens of millions of dollars on the line.
0: That's one of the um I guess the, the downsides that comes with dealing with these enormous customers that you need to be very cut and dry, very conservative perhaps with your approach to dealing with their sites.
1: A little bit, yes. <laughs> when we have to do maintenance, it has to be scheduled for many of our customers months in advance. Okay. And we, we have to lock it down to a three-hour window. It is amazing, as you say, exactly how consistent we have to be.
0: If you're dealing with a corporate customer, you kind of become a partly corporate yourself, deal with these maintenance windows and all the other stuff that big businesses do. Well, I wish you all the best with it, Joshua. How can people test out NorthStack or follow what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so right now, you go to NorthStack.com and join our beta. And we're hoping to actually formally launch here in the next couple of weeks. But the beta essentially allows you to get in there and start playing with things. and You know, we're doing nightly builds, so some things break every day, and that's why we're calling it a beta. But you can go to Nordstack, nordstack Nordstack.com right now and and sign up. You can find us at pagely.com if you have a uh, high traffic, high demand, resource intensive WordPress site, need a home for it. And then you can find me at Strebel on Twitter where I as, as we started this call, I don't take myself so seriously and I'm recently in the hobby of making fake inspirational quotes of myself.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I mentioned your Twitter account being not so serious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, life is short, have fun while you do it. And uh, there's nothing I think more egregious in this world than somebody taking themselves way too damn seriously.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think probably the first time uh, I ran across you was. At the, the Pressnomics conference, you were upstage with a, a cigar and a whiskey and, uh, and your feet up on the table as the host of the event.
1: What we learned is when we're hosts of events like that, you set the tone. So if we set a relaxed tone, everybody will be relaxed and enjoy themselves. Okay.
0: In, in which case, I should probably conclude the podcast by asking, is Pressnomics coming back again?
1: Oh, yeah. TBD. Yeah. We are so close. Yes, it's coming back. I just can't tell you when.
0: Okay, well, Josh, I wish you all the best with Page of the with NorthStack, and with a possible Pressnomics relaunch. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the time.